0: friend of mine. She said to me, I don't understand why you're trying to put yourself in a box that God didn't design for you to live in. That literally broke me That gave me permission to be me.
1: Hi, and welcome to the crafty hustle podcast created for the crafter and maker who wants to start and grow a product business. Featuring insightful conversations with creative entrepreneurs and companies that cater to the crafting community. I'm your host, Marcy Knuckles. Hi, today my guest is Candace Luther. Her shop is called shop candace Looter. hi candace how are you today
0: hi, i'm good thank you so much for asking me to be on here i'm so excited to share my crazy wild journey and hopefully it helps somebody else out there
1: i'm sure this would be helpful for my audience first i'd like for you to let me know a little bit about you
0: yeah not that like age matters age is just a number right but i do like to throw out my age just because i feel like i got started with my crafty hustle later on in life so i just turned 37 I just got married for the first time in October. Let me tell you, for an independent woman for 36 years, it is a struggle. <laughs> um, but I am a Congratulations <laughs> um, on that. <laughs> Thank you. And I have a 16 year old and he has a two year old. So I feel like with all the different dynamics and different places that I'm at in my life, it's definitely helped frame. I think a lot of the ways that I've done things, especially since being a a creative person over time and a struggling single mom, which I think a lot of people can relate to that has been extremely challenging and, and difficult to try to get me where I'm at today. I'd probably say I started out Kind of when Pinterest first came out, remember when somebody came to me and said, Oh, here's this thing. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. And I ended up losing hours of my life like everybody else (laughs) did. Yes. Dive into this. I think like inherently, I was always creative being 37. And I bring that up only just because of the different generations and what they've been exposed to. Mm -hmm. I was young, entrepreneur wasn't a word. That wasn't something people aspire to do. There wasn't classes to do that. That was what we called the starving artist, right? So nowhere in my mind did I think all these doodles I was doing in class and all these things were maybe going to amount to anything. I just thought, oh, well, I just need to be like everyone else. I need to be a teacher or a nurse or, you know whatever these like typical paths were. So I feel like it really took me on a winding journey to find what I wanted to do and not to just do things for other people and so probably about and I did the whole like farmers market upcycling thing and then I got into power tools and started making my own things okay probably wasn't until about two years ago when I launched on Etsy when I started to do things for myself and that kind of was a big game changer for me
1: okay that sounds great now you said you did doodling and things like that do you feel like you were creative as a child were you into arts and crafts
0: yeah i feel like and i think we see this in kids too there's either kids that are really book smart they're kids that street smart there are kids that are really creative and other kids that are just terrible at science and math and history and everything else that was me okay i couldn't pay attention i did horrible in school i barely passed classes but i was always sketching and drawing or laying out architectural designs for houses and rooms and where I was going to put the plants and the piano and all these different things. I don't really think that I had a good support system to develop those creatively. So I just thought, well, this is just something that I do, but this isn't something that's going to make me money. It wasn't until probably, oh gosh, my daughter probably would have been maybe around seven. I kind of jumped into the whole corporate America thing. And probably about eight years in, I was like, this is not fulfilling. Mm -hmm. I'm miserable. I don't know what to do with that. And, you know, I think I'm, always going to want to figure out what I want to do when I get older, which is okay because then right. it makes me feel like I can constantly evolve. I remember one day reading something about a farmer's market downtown and I took my little piece of paper over. I totally should have been fired at my job because I was trying to blog and set up a website and all these things. And I ran over to my friend and I said oh, there's this farmer's market and I think I should do this. And she was like, well, Candace, you don't even have a business. What are you going to sell? You don't have a name. don't right, have a text. Right. ID. And I was like girl, I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> like, that day I got a business name. It was called uh, Remnant Design. So I was taking all these like remnants and people were like throwing furniture away on the side of the road. And I was a broke single mom and that's not like a crutch that I carry, but I didn't have a lot of money. I remember even being in college trying to get $5 of gas in my car and my car got declined. I have been broke. I know how to make a dollar stretch and make some profits on some stuff people are gonna throw away. Mm -hmm. So I was just trying to like turn anything I can. And within 30 days, I set up my little tent and I like had all my stuff and everything like almost sold out within an hour and a half. Now. Looking back at it, I thought, oh, I'm really on something. My stuff was probably priced like, way too cheap. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but, it, but it ignited something in me that, you know what? I can put my hands to something else for me. I was trying to go through school, take care of my child, do all these things. I didn't really have something for myself. It really was like an itch that just got scratched. And then after that, I was like, I gotta leave corporate America. I can't do this anymore. But I kind of went on this journey from corporate America to getting a job in sales and interior design. And now I'm off on my own. Thanks to COVID. I strangely found myself in the situation where I got laid off from my full-time job okay. and let me be very clear. My Etsy business where it started was a full-time job in itself, Okay. but I was scared to leave, scared of getting this regular paycheck and all those things. And trust me, I'm still scared today, but I feel like God in a funny way pushed me out of
1: the net. Yeah, and yeah. I, it no, happens
0: he'll do that (laughs) sitting here. So do something with it. I was blessed to be able to be on unemployment for a little bit, which kind of was a safety nest. Mm -hmm. And to just do this other thing and go in full force, you know, not paying myself, but like hiring other women to help make the things and just trying to make it happen. It's been a crazy journey.
1: What made you start with the macrame? How did you transition or was there other transitions in between this? Or did you go from the upcycling to the macrame?
0: Yeah. If you would have told me uh, even three years ago, I'd be doing macrame. I thought you'd, you're crazy. Everyone knows I don't have an attention span for anything. (laughs) So to weave into pattern and do all that stuff, like I admired that. And I was the girl buying the kits with the looms and trying to do all that thing. And I just, I now looking back, I was trying to force myself in a box that I didn't belong in. Mm -hmm. And it really wasn't until one day, actually a friend of mine, I was crying and I said, I wish I was more organized. I wish I was more this. I feel like I can't pay attention. I'm jumping from project to project to project. And I would just get so frustrated with myself that I didn't feel like I was everybody else with those successful businesses that seemed focused and they knew how to market and they knew how to do business plans and all these things. And I couldn't do one thing very well. And she said to me, I don't understand why you're trying to put yourself in a box that God didn't design for you to live in. And that like literally broke me. Like I started bawling and it was almost like someone gave me permission to be me. Then I started making stuff for my house. And I thought, I'm 35, I have nothing to lose. I feel like Etsy's market is totally flooded, but let me just throw it out there and see what happens. I started with the fringe mirrors, and then I started to see all these beautiful things with macrame, but I didn't know how to necessarily weave or the attention span. So I started to think outside the box. Well, if I want this design with the rope art, how can I do that without knowing how to weave techniques? So over time I developed a way to make the products work for me not so much me working into the products the way that other people make them work Mm -hmm. and i just threw them up on etsy and i don't think i got sales for maybe the first month and after that Mm -hmm. i started getting a couple sales couple sales here and there and then things just dramatically took off because i had no idea that the West Elms and Creighton Barrels and all of these retailers and hotel chains, they go to Etsy, they go to Pinterest to find unique things for their projects. That's kind of where commissions and getting in with some of the retailer chains and things like took off. I just had no idea. But I also think I was just in a different frame of mind where I was doing things for myself. I wasn't trying to be what somebody else wanted me to be. And to speak to that, being in Iowa, this really isn't my market. And I say that sensitively because I have such a huge support system here. People are cheering me on to win and I feel that, but people here aren't necessarily the boho lovers. I think when people talk about, find your customer and who's your customer, and I had all these mentors and different people in my life trying to challenge me. It was frustrating for me because my market wasn't here and I didn't even think about that. Until I went on Etsy, and it was a platform for my customers to find me, right? Not me trying to push my design on other people. That's kind of where it took off, and doing it for myself, I think, really changed my mindset and not being disappointed or failed with myself when I didn't look like somebody else.
1: That probably made your creative juices flow even more once you started letting go of the boundaries that you were placing upon yourself and yeah. being open and free to just create. You did it for yourself is another creative right. expression. And like you mm-hmm. said, with Etsy, it's so easy to get on there to try and see. If you see something worse, oh, guess what? I might yeah. be onto something. That's great that you took the initiative to try and see. When you said you didn't make the sales early on that first month, <laughs> was it discouraging for you? Did you think no one's going to buy this? Maybe I shouldn't do this. What made you just mm-hmm. keep on
0: But I like to compare it. If you've ever ran a a garage sale at your house, Mm -hmm. it's like the people that stroll by in their car and then they slow down and then they quickly like (laughs) speed up. It's the most vulnerable feeling because you're like, I have something here that I think you might want to buy. When you look at the analytics of how many people looked at your stuff, but how many people didn't buy it, you start to get those vulnerable feelings. And honestly, it's something that I'd already experienced doing farmer's markets. You don't have the people in your booth saying, oh, I could make that for $50. Right, or, you know, right. I can't believe how much she had on that. So it is a little bit of a, a vulnerable feeling because first of all, you have the fear of starting anything. Then right. once you decide that you want to start something, then you're vulnerable when people don't want to buy. So I remember after a week telling my boyfriend at the time, I think I need to lower my prices. <laughs> that was my always
1: the first place people run to, oh, my right. prices are too high, so let me reduce my price. And it's like, no, you know, especially if you know okay. that you set it up right and if you price correctly, The audience Mm -hmm. that's for you is for you. Don't cheapen yourself by reducing your price just to make a sale.
0: Right, and that's it, you like hit the nail on the head because that's what I've always done. And actually what I've done over time now, which sounds like a terrible business model, is I've actually raised the prices. So I know people really get caught up in like the pricing and what should it be? I always tell people, I don't have a set formula. And I know that sounds terrible, But I think you could ask 10 different people and you're going to get 10 different opinions on, you know, you take your cost and you double it and you do your, you know, your labor and you do whatever. But I have said to people, let's say I make, I don't know, this water bottle that's on my desk. And really by the time my materials and costs and everything are, I'm really only into it for 50 bucks. How do I know that water bottle isn't $300? You know what I mean? You don't want to leave anything on the table, but you don't want to price yourself out, but you have to have a little bit of confidence, especially if you've got something unique that really isn't, out there once you've kind of done a little bit of research say you know what I think that water bottle is worth $300 and I think people are willing to pay that so when I first started out my mirrors were not priced where they should be I think right now I found in that sweet spot But I just had to start somewhere. So I listed it. And once orders were coming in way too fast, I kind of thought, maybe they need to be up a little bit higher. Maybe I can make it over in volume, even if I price it up a little bit more. But then when I'm batching them, then I can save a little bit on labor. And so then after a while, then I might increase it by $20 or $50 or whatever it is. And then things change because of COVID you have to switch to a different vendor because that vendor isn't supplying anything anymore. So it kind of gives you the flexibility, I think, especially on Etsy to adjust where you need to. And then people have asked, well, do people come back and say, oh, well, you've raised your price. It's maybe happened two or three times. Okay. And then out of goodwill, I've said, you know what? You're right. We just threw it through a pricing or a cost analysis and we've raised that, but I'm willing to still honor that price. But other than that, people don't really pay attention that closely, but I will say I started where I started and then just grew from there and just adjusted my prices up where I thought they would need to be. Not saying that's the best business model, but yeah, that's I mean, but really
1: understandably working. too, I think as you had gone along when and saw that you were getting sales, you started to see the value that people saw in your work and right. so then that way it was like okay you were able to justify raising your yeah. prices because of the value that people saw and the value you probably started seeing in yourself as well mm-hmm. in your yeah. work and so it was like okay yeah you see the market too and how th- other things are selling in comparison to what you're selling they're selling their stuff at a higher price i know what i put into what i do And I know the time and the materials that I use. I'm probably undervaluing my work and I need to raise my prices. I think that's one of the things that we have to look at. You have to start somewhere, but also knowing that you can grow from there. And so it's like, don't just price the lowest price to make a sale, but really try to provide value to your customer. It helps you in your self-confidence. I can charge Mm -hmm. this price and feel good about it.
0: Yep, absolutely. One thing that I challenged myself was I don't have to be everything to everybody. And I don't know if that's just like a personality trait where I just want people to like me. I noticed that actually right away when I was doing farmer's market is I would spend probably the same amount of time making the $150 upcycled bench as I would making this little trinket thing for $10 that something could pick up. I think at some point you have to decide for yourself not necessarily who is your customer, but where do you want to spend your time that you're going to make the most profit in something that you actually enjoy doing? Because those little trinkets for $10, yeah, they were quick for people to pick up, but I didn't enjoy doing them. So again, it was more about for other people right. and being approachable to more people. I think it's better to even be in like a smaller niche than it Absolutely. is to just be accessible to everybody.
1: Yeah, they say the riches are in the niches. <laughs> yeah. I've
0: never heard that one. I yeah, like that. One. Yeah. You
1: know who you're speaking to. And when mm-hmm. the net is so big and broad, you can't speak to everybody. And you're not for everybody. Once right. you can narrow down and really know who your target audience is, who are your people. Then mm-hmm. it's easier to speak to them. It's easier to reach them. And it yep. takes a lot of pressure off for of you. Instead of trying to talk to everybody, you're talking to a smaller group of people. Mm-hmm. That just helps to make that connection better too. It's
0: been a struggle, but I'm there.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's great. How long have you been in business? I think
0: my Etsy anniversary was maybe around two years ago. It's still fairly new. Okay. Um, even though I've been dabbling around with the whole upcycling thing before for probably about four or five years, I want to say two years, because that was, when I finally emerged as myself. Mm -hmm. I mean, my shop name is my name just because I didn't want to pigeonhole myself into any one thing that I was doing. I think I still get attributed to remnant design which was my business before people are always like oh you know candace she like takes scraps and she does this and that and i'm like yeah i don't want to forget where i came from but that's not who i am anymore right um, right and so people still try to associate me with like remnant and scraps and upcycling and things like that but i would say probably about two years is when i just became true to myself so i say oh, i started two years ago
1: now do you do any of the upcycling anymore or are you strictly all macrame at this point
0: I don't have time, (laughs) I wish that I did. No, it's mostly just the macrame and the fringe mirrors. Actually woodworking was my primary passion, but with just the lack of tools and the lack of know-how with, you know, carpentry and things like that, I usually will subcontract a lot of that stuff out. I am working on a line of coffee tables that fingers mm crossed I'm hoping to launch within the next um, month that I'm super excited about. I'd love to get more into furniture design and I think I'd rather be just The brains behind the scenes and having other people making the product shipping is always a funny little thing that i'm trying to wrap my head around especially the bigger heavier items i think until i really get a handle on that then maybe i can be a little bit more competitive
1: at this point what would you say has been the most challenging you've had to deal with in your business
0: oh gosh i think personally for me a business owner Wearing the hat of the business side of it is really a struggle. Even today, before I got on this podcast, I have this to do list of things I definitely need to do QuickBooks and yes. stuff with my CPA. It takes so much out of me. And I know that I try to trick myself, even though I like self sabotage <laughs> myself this like to-do list, I try to tell myself, okay, Candace, whatever you can get done today is okay. But as long as I'm biting off a little by little, I reward myself with, now you can go downstairs and play with materials and do whatever. I think being a little bit more disciplined in that way has been a challenge for me, but I also know where my boundaries are. So I don't force myself to go in places that I'm not in the right frame of mind to right, do, right. which has helped. Finding the right help, I would say has been a blessing, but it was a challenge at first. People here locally, uh, I have to laugh about this. They call it my cry baby video. <laughs> so I used to do all of this by myself in my home. And when I look back, I think we're almost getting ready to hit a thousand sales on Etsy in the last okay, like Okay, wonderful, congratulations. Which, thank you, insane. But I was doing it all from home, dying from home. My kitchen counters have <laughs> died all over it. It was a mess and I was crying all the time. A friend of mine god bless them they said hey we have an empty warehouse it looks like you probably need to move your production out you're welcome to use it oh just
1: wonderful <laughs>
0: yeah which was a blessing like some doors have opened for me that i hope i can then pay it forward to other people too but i was still working for myself in this warehouse i'm up at like two o'clock in the morning and i never get on facebook and do live things or whatever i recorded myself and i was like You guys want to be an entrepreneur this is what it looks i am tired i am sitting here crying by myself makeup everywhere i need help but i can't keep up with emails i can't keep up with production i started to lay it all out here's the role in the real if you want to be an entrepreneur this is what you're getting yourself into and i had so many people reach out to me how can i help are you hiring people that i didn't even know that i was friends with on facebook that reached out fast forward now i've got probably about eight women that work for me we've Come up with our own processes our own way to do things we have a very open collaborative communication where we've adjusted some of my designs to make things easier and look better there's definitely this two-way street but i think for a while it was trying to let go of the control of having someone else do it that little bit of learning curve yeah Yeah. i don't even know so much it's a control thing i just wanted to make sure that i maintained quality to be able to find women that actually care more about the details than i do sometimes they laugh at me because they'll say do we need to do it like this and i'm like yeah yeah kind of you know sip sip there like whatever (laughs) (laughs) no you need to be
1: specific it is your name if something's not right they're coming to you
0: Right. Yes. I will say finding the right people, weeding out the people that don't have the right kind of energy that seem to vibe with a lot of other people. I'm not super confrontational. Some of those people have just faded away on their own, which was okay. good. I find the disciplinary hat hard to wear, the business hat, you know, right. it's hard to wear. With COVID, it was really hard to pivot, but it showed me that I need to have a plan B and possibly a plan C all of my materials vendors the building ran into issues all kinds of different things i think that's been the most challenging at least for the last year
1: yeah i think going through the pandemic has put everybody yeah. in a different situation of what they're used to but it also got you to think differently about your business as well Was mm-hmm. not doing business as usual and then other ways and other outlets to be able to still do business. It helped in a way you had to do something differently than what you might have done before because you would have never thought about it when it comes to this is your livelihood or mm-hmm. like you said, you've lost your job and now I have to do this.
0: Exactly, yeah. I think if, I hate to use the word pivot because I feel like I've been using that word for too long. But if you can't let go to be able to pivot, even sometimes on a daily basis, I think being an entrepreneur is really gonna be a struggle for some people. Absolutely. So the more flexible you are and you can laugh off the crazy stuff that happens, the easier it's become. At the end of the day, sometimes I'll go to my email and I'll get a lot of anxiety. I struggle with anxiety. I'll see 10 emails, people want something from me, but I just need a nap. Or I've got my daughter's volleyball game this weekend or something like that. And I'm telling myself, you know what? At the end of the day, It's just rope art, you know what I mean? (laughs) If it's life or death, then that customer is just gonna have to go and find something somewhere else. It's kind of like finding those boundaries between I wanna hustle and I wanna make money, but I also want to just take an afternoon off and spend time with my child if I want to and not feel guilty about not getting back to someone who really doesn't know you and they just want something from you. I don't mean that in a negative way but I have to remember it's just mirrors, it's just rope art. People will live and it's okay. <laughs> yeah, and If you're able to
1: be upfront and honest with customers for the most part they're willing to work with you versus you don't respond at all. The communication is key.
0: I agree and I did not handle that very well when I was in that weird stage where I'm out of my house, but I'm really growing and I definitely need help, but I don't really have the help. I know right. I pissed right. a lot of people off. I'm sure there was a lot of designers that I burned bridges with and if they're listening, I sincerely apologize. I just didn't know how to manage everything because right. it was just growing too fast. I remember at one point I walked into my living room and there was rope all over and I was 40 orders backed up and thought, I don't know how I'm gonna do this.
1: Mm-hmm. So so especially you right. All by yourself
0: yes so that was one thing that was critical for me once i felt like i could afford to have someone assist me i have someone now she comes in and really if i look at her payroll it's maybe nine hours every two weeks it really isn't a lot she pulls all the orders from me for west elm she pulls all the orders from me from etsy and whatever other sales channels that we have and she purchases the materials from those makes sure that they're down with the production girls on time when all the materials are in to make the product. And I just manage the girls and design and help on the back end with getting stuff shipped out on time. That's really taken a lot off of my shoulders.
1: At least you were able to recognize that and you know I need help. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do this by myself. Yeah. I need help. And so you were able to pivot and get the help mm-hmm. you needed. You said that you were selling on Etsy, but what other platforms are you selling on?
0: We got picked up by West Elm about a year ago, and they're adding more products this year, which is super exciting. We just launched with Lulu in Georgia. We're really excited about that as well. I have been uh-huh. told they put us on the front of the catalog, so I have ordered my catalog and I am excited to see. More so I'm excited for myself, I'm just excited for the girls that help make the products because they're so great they're so passionate about what they do they make me look good um, <laughs> we're looking at fair as well i think that's all that i can speak to legally <laughs> there's definitely a lot of really cool opportunities out there
1: for those other platforms did they come to you or did you pitch to them
0: they actually came to me i think we have not done a great job of being proactive when we talk about marketing, I'll be the first one to say, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing or, <laughs> or what is going on. I have to have my daughter help me with Instagram. I have people that help post on my behalf, even though I'll like come up with the pictures in the post. I don't know if we're posting at the right time, the right hashtags, all the things, right? It's overwhelming. And everything you read, you get different information. Sometimes True. it's just trial and error, or I'll just put something out there. If you like it, you like it, you don't. But we've never been proactive about going after a new business. Lulu and Georgia, West Elm, even Fair, they've been proactive in coming to us saying we're interested in having you on our platform. I have another girl, I call it my marketing team. It's me and her. <laughs> we've been talking about a spreadsheet of design firms that we've worked with just to make sure that they keep updated with a new portfolio or whatever new products we have. I want us to be a little bit more proactive about going after design firms and LinkedIn and all these other sources that I wouldn't have necessarily thought of to try to drum up new business. I think from just putting ourselves out there and the more people have been sharing on Instagram. We actually saw a huge growth once you get more influential people on Instagram that are buying from you or sharing about you. I think that's drumming up a lot of business as well. True. Handmade
1: is big right now too. It is. Handmade is is big. big. Yeah, absolutely. As you've been going along, what would you say has been your most rewarding experience that you've had since you've started your business?
0: I will say... The most rewarding experience I have, and I can't (laughs) legally say who it was, but a very big retailer, I had the opportunity to design some furniture for them. My name will never be on it or anything like that, but I helped their head designers with designing some new product for this year. It was just by happenstance that they had met someone that I knew and said, do you know any black artists that deal with furniture? And they said, I know somebody and I wouldn't necessarily consider myself in furniture. I worked with them for about a month. It was the most amazing experience that I've ever had. I wasn't nervous. I felt like I was just in that right moment in my life where I got to do this. But I did notice until this designer said it, I didn't realize that I was holding back a little bit. Uh He stopped me at one of my meetings. This is seriously a moment that will stick out forever. I even emailed him and said, thank you so much. You have no idea how that changed me. But he said, I can tell that you're holding back and I just want you to basically be you. He goes, I don't care how off the wall the design is. I can tell you wanna go there and I want you to go there. I got off the phone with him and I started crying, you know me, surprise, surprise, (laughs) crying again. Um, It was awesome. I looked up to this retailer so much and for one of their head designers and engineers to say, Candace, be yourself. Do what you do, whatever craziness is in your head. I feel for years past, people are like, oh, that's a cute sketch. People don't always take you as seriously as you would tell yourself. That's why I always tell designers, don't share your designs with everybody. Because not everyone's going to appreciate that. And sometimes when you're a little kid showing your mom your cool drawing, and then they're like, oh, that's neat, honey. You thought they'd be more excited about (laughs) it. I always (laughs) say, like, pull some stuff back. Because if you think it's cool, go with your gut. That's how I lead my designs. I just go with my gut and run with it. For him to say to me, I can see where you're going. Your brain is fantastic. The stuff that you're showing us, the stuff that we've been trying to wrap our head around and now we see what it looks like when you've done it. This is what we've been wanting. I was floored. I think that just gave me that extra bit of confidence to keep being me, not to be me for them, but to be me for me and to trust my own judgment. It's funny
1: that you say that because hearing you talk about that, when we first started the conversation, you talked about being pigeonholed and not being expressive to be yourself. And you did that and you saw the growth that you had in your business. But yet, as you're moving in your business, you still had gone back to you didn't give yourself the freedom to be you you still was like I want to make sure they like me I want to fit what yeah. they want and they're like no no do you we see what you right. can do we want you that's the problem we know what we can do but we see what yep. you can do a lot of times I believe that we don't see ourselves the way other people see us mm-hmm. we that's might so. limit the view of ourselves or, or we don't give ourselves the credit for what we do and it's like I think this is nice but Mm -hmm. guess what there's 500 other people who think that's great you know be you do you because no one else is like you no one else is going to work like you no one else's Mm -hmm. artwork is going to be yours because yours is genuinely you you know and it's coming from you it's a part of you people can try to copy and do things but when it's coming from you They don't have your mind. They're not going to have your creativity the way you do. That's what he saw in you. And that's what they wanted from you. And ultimately, that's what you were able to give them, you.
0: Yeah, I think that's why, especially for creatives, we're all over the place. But because we're so passionate, because it comes from our soul, right? When we, every time we make a piece, a little bit of us is in there. So to put yourself out there and not wanting to feel stupid, I think a lot of us sometimes play a little bit too safe. Mm -hmm. Like you said, being yourself, you've got something, we've all got something to offer the world that no one else has. I think when you find that, just hold on to it, you know, desperately and just, and run with it. Yeah. You have nothing to lose.
1: What advice would you give someone who's thinking about starting a business or starting a side hustle with their
0: crafts? My advice is to not read into or to buy into your circumstances whether you're a single mom, you're stretched financially, whether you're older, or younger, whatever your circumstances, circumstances can change, right? Mm-hmm. Don't buy into that lie to hold you back from whatever you're going to do. Because if we want to talk about me statistically, right? I am in Iowa. I was a single mom. I was a single black mother. Like when you look at all the statistics about things that probably should have Hurt me rather than propel me to succeed and excel. There's things that I've done that I should not have been able to do, right? I didn't market. Somehow people found me and they wanted my work. Whatever you think these loopholes are or these circumstances that you think are going to hold you back from being successful. Don't buy into that because at the end of the day, you're the only one that believes that, and if you believe it, then you're not going to get anywhere. For me, it was quieting those voices and breaking down those lies of what I wanted to believe and to own for myself and just say, you know what? I can start over at 36. Absolutely. just because i've been in corporate Absolutely. america all my life doesn't mean that i can't start a business tomorrow i've done plenty of farmers markets on summer and at the end of the summer it was like i did not make any money and in fact i think i lost money but mm-hmm. you can't take away from the value that you learned in doing that and again right. that's just circumstances yeah. I think we all have got these inherent loopholes that we try to tell ourselves. Well, if I had this, then I'd be ready to launch a business. Or if I had this, then my business could excel or whatever these things we tell ourselves, use it to your advantage, learn and grow from it and use that to pull you into whatever it is that you're dreaming and doodling in class. And you're supposed to be paying attention. (laughs) I did a lot of doodling and meetings in corporate America.
1: (laughs) Where do you find your
0: inspiration for your work? It's a little bit all over the place, but I do fear just because of all my years on Pinterest and things like that. I always wonder when you see people sometimes, are you getting something original or is it something that you've ingrained in your head from years of looking at things? I try to stay out of the norm. When I'm looking for new fiber art designs, I don't Google fiber art. Sometimes things just come. Sometimes it might be a dress pattern that I saw and I'm like, oh, I really like the way that shifts. I wonder if I could do that with rope. Or right now I'm working on a couple pieces that have nothing to do with fiber rare art at all. I've been looking a lot at hieroglyphics and different objects and things. I think it gets my wheels turning in a different sort of way. I used to travel a lot at my corporate job in Europe. I think sometimes just looking at the way they view furniture and architecture has probably had a little bit of an influence. It could just be so random. I could walk by this concrete wall and think, oh my gosh, I should work on a tufted bench. It's just bizarre. As far as inspiration goes, it could really be from a lot of different things. I do find sometimes that I'm Drawn to a lot of the Japanese methodology and okay. sometimes the way that they think of design and how they view broken objects and how to put them back together. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of things that I've loved to try that I just haven't had the time to have play dates, you know, for myself.
1: In the beginning, you were talking about you were working on some new materials for your tables that's gonna be coming out soon. Yeah. Do you have a time? plan for when it'll be coming out?
0: Yeah, well, we have the new four piece that just came out with Lulu and Georgia. You'll probably see from me some unique twists on the mirrors and some of the front and the rope art themselves. I've been working a lot with trying to actually take away some of the wood elements on the rope art and see if it can be a lot more freeform on the wall itself. You'll probably see a lot of that. You'll probably see a lot of splatter, wink, wink. A lot of splatter, (laughs) a lot of texture, both I guess on the rope art and the fringe mirrors because it keeps the collection cohesive and then taking that texture and then applying it on uh, the coffee tables. We worked on a special collaboration with a really cool organization as well as West Elm and some of their West Elm female makers. So definitely look for that because there's some really cool stuff.
1: That's wonderful. Where can my audience find you?
0: Yep, so on Etsy, search under shops. Type shop Candace Looter, you can find me there. Otherwise, I try to do a really good job of navigating that through Instagram. Instagram is just my first and last name, Candace Looter. Lulu in Georgia, if you type in Candace Looter, you should be able to find a couple of my pieces there. My website, which we are supposed to be launching this week, but will be www.candacelooter.com. I'm around. If you find me on Instagram, you should be able to find me
1: everywhere else. Candace, I want to thank you for your time today. This has thank been you. a great conversation. Yeah. I love it. I wish you all the success in the world. Well, thank you. and I will continue to follow you and hopefully get one of your pieces yeah
0: I'd be happy to just let me know what you need all right sounds (laughs) good
1: thank you thank you for listening to the crafty hustle podcast if you enjoyed the show be sure to rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts it helps other crafters and makers find the show and keep the great guests possible. Sign up for my newsletter to receive the show notes and other resources at thecraftyhustle.com. Follow me on Instagram at thecraftyhustle. Till next time, stay crafty, keep hustling.